Another turning point, a fork stuck in the road Time grabs you by the wrist, directs you where to go So make the best of this test and don't ask why It's not a question but a lesson learned in time It's something unpredictable, but in the end is right I hope you had the time of your life Welcome in. This is episode 17 of the Ultimate Fan Podcast. I'm your host, Cade Costley, and that was Good Riddance, also known by the title Time of Your Life by Green Day, released in 1997. Green Day is a very popular punk rock band from the East Bay area of California, and this song, Good Riddance, was written by their lead singer, Billy Joel Armstrong. And the origins of this song are from a bad breakup. Billy Joe Armstrong was dating a girl named Amanda, and she broke up with him and left the country for Ecuador. And to get closure on that relationship and to really funnel his anger, he wrote this song. And four years later, when the band is looking for a change of pace on their album, he sent the rest of the group out to play foosball and went into the recording studio himself and recorded this song in about 15 minutes because it was already written and put to music. Billy Joe Armstrong is somewhat of a clinger. He actually has written eight different songs about Amanda, including the song titled Amanda. And this relationship seemed to never really be able to escape him um, over his career. But I love what he wrote in the Rolling Stones about this song. And he says it's about trying to be cool and accepting that in life people go in different directions. People come into your life and it's wonderful, but they seem to go out of your life as quickly as they came in. So despite this song's upbeat tune and jovial sound, it's actually about someone's heartbreak and longing for closure in a relationship. And I love this song. I'm a fan of Green Day. I've listened to their music since I was little. And when I hear this song, it takes me back to when I was a kid. Because for whatever reason, this song was always put to the tune of our family videos. And so when this comes on the radio, I see pictures flashing in my memory from uh, those videos from our childhood. This song went on to be a hit for Green Day. They ended up selling 5 million copies on their album that they released this on, which was Nimrod. And although it is much different from their traditional music, it was uh, one of their all-time top performing songs. Okay, well, today we're going to keep this short and sweet. Uh, we've got basically three quick segments to this podcast today. I'm going to quickly tell a story about an American hero. We're going to tie that into a concept that uh, this American hero coined and tie it into a personal story and close it all up. So we should be a lot quicker today than we have been in the previous episodes and the reason we're focusing on this today is because I am the ultimate fan for comeback stories. Uh, those individuals who are able to overcome obstacles 
and in those obstacles learn valuable lessons that they can share with others and help others along their way. And this story today is one that I feel touches on those topics. So the American hero that we're going to be talking about is a man named James Stockdale. And James Stockdale was a naval aviator during the Vietnam War. And during this war, James Stockdale had flown many successful missions for the United States overseas. And on this day, September 9th, 1965, on a routine mission over North Vietnam, his Douglas A-4 Skyhawk plane was shot down. And his plane was so badly damaged that it required James Stockdale to eject from that plane and therefore subjected himself to the villagers underneath. And he was captured and made a prisoner of war shortly thereafter. And he was stationed in a uh, prison camp where he was tortured uh, routinely. Uh, he was denied medical treatment. Um, his captors tried to uh, break him over and over and over again, relentlessly. Uh, his bones, he had multiple bones that were broken, and he spent a lot of time in some of the most brutal and dismal circumstances that any of us could ever imagine. And despite his circumstances, James Stockdale decided that he was going to actively work against his captors. So when they would come in to torture him, he would resist that torture. And they uh, knew that he was a very prominent member of the U.S. Navy, and they were trying to use him for propaganda purposes. And before they would record him on several occasions, he would actually beat himself up so that his identity could not be used in this propaganda. Um, he would, he developed the anti-torture techniques for other prisoners within this prisoner of war camp. And they all began to actively work against their captors because of his leadership. And although his captors were relentless in trying to break him and get him to confess, he never confessed any of the details he knew uh, about the missions that he ran or the critical information that he carried. And uh, because of his leadership amongst other prisoners at the camp, he was actually placed in leg irons in solitary confinement. And so he could not have any influence on anyone else uh, while he was there. And after seven and a half long years of being captured as a prisoner of war, he was rescued by the U.S. Uh, on February 12th, 1973, during Operation Homecoming. And upon his return to the United States, he was uh, granted the Medal of Honor. And he served our country uh, for many years after his return home. Uh, he even was uh, a candidate for vice president in 1992. And upon returning home, he helped work with a man by the name of Jim Collins, who was writing a book entitled Good to Great, to help coin this concept that I wanted to talk about today. And this concept is called the Stockdale Paradox. 
And in an interview with Jim Collins, um, Jim was really interested in helping to build leaders. And he wanted to take a few things away from James Stockdale to help motivate uh, other people within their uh, organizations or in their life to be uh, better leaders. And um, in this interview, he asked James Stockdale a very simple question. And that question was, which prisoners didn't make it out of Vietnam? And this was uh, the Stockdale paradox. This is what helps form the Stockdale paradox was his answer to that question. And he said, oh, that's easy. The optimists, they were the ones who said, we're going to make it out by Christmas. And Christmas would come and Christmas would go. And then they would say, we will make it out by Easter. And Easter would come and Easter would go. And then Thanksgiving. And then it would be Christmas again. And they died of a broken heart um, because they were never able to make it out of these prison camps. And this is a very important lesson. You must never confuse faith that you will prevail in the end, which you can never afford to lose, with the discipline to confront the most brutal facts of your current reality, whatever they might be. So if I can condense that down, blind optimism was the most dangerous trait to possess as a prisoner of war, which is a paradox, right? You would think as a prisoner, you would have to be optimistic. You would have to believe that one day you will be rescued or one day you will make it back to your family. And if you lost that belief, then you would potentially lose your will to live. But um, here we are, James Stockdale is saying that that was one of the most dangerous things uh, to be you know, blindly optimistic. You had to face the facts of reality. You had to realize how uh, potentially dangerous your surroundings were and what the odds were that you would actually make it out of here alive. And so this belief that everything will be all right, despite the brutal facts of your reality, was a real test of how true um, you could be to yourself. And I want to talk a little bit more about that today. And this is a principle that, for me, really cut me to the core. Um, if you've listened to this podcast, if you know who I am, I think that optimism is something that I've always thought could solve anything in life, that an optimistic outlook on your future would potentially get you to the place that you want it to be. And that if you face life's challenges with optimism, that you could con conquer those challenges. And I think in a lot of ways, that's very true. Um, but in reading this principle, the Stockdale Paradox, I really had to open my eyes a little bit um, and realize that in some things in life, um, there is maybe a little bit darker reality than what we're uh, believing is true. And to give you a real-life example of this, I'm going to tell you a story, a real story that happened to me shortly after I was married. Um, and I, I, I believe that this is a great comparison between this concept and how this belief in my mind that optimism or being positive about everything uh, would solve life's challenges almost um, was devastating to me. And so um, shortly after I was married, 
me and my wife and a few family members decided to go on a backpacking trip. And we were going to go uh, on a two-night, three-day backpacking trip up to the High Uenas at a place called Granddaddy Lake. Um, I had never been backpacking other than a few times in the Boy Scouts, and um, those outings were pretty uh, watered down into comparison with what we were going to do. Uh, we were going to put our whole camp on our back and walk in several miles, uh, set up basically our home camp, our home base, and then hike around the area to fish several different lakes um, around the UNS. Uh, this is not a brutal hike. Uh, you know, for many of you that maybe are much more um, adventurous than myself, you would probably think this is a piece of cake. And in some ways it was. The hike wasn't that bad. But um, having, you know, the weight on my back and, you know, packing it in it was definitely exhausting. And we hiked in the first day we left. Um, early in the morning, we had a big breakfast at the truck, and we hiked back in. And when we got into camp, we looked around the area, and we found this really grassy uh, meadow far away from where everyone else was camping. Uh, this is a pretty well-terrained uh, area, and so there were other hikers uh, on the mountain that day. But we wanted to be far away from everyone, so we went out to this green meadow and set up our tents right on, uh, right in this area. And once we got camp set up, we went down and we fished uh, for the afternoon. We ended up catching, you know, four or five fish and uh, was pretty tired and pretty hungry. And so we went back to camp and we cooked up these fish along with um, some potatoes and things that we brought in right in the middle of our camp on a little fire that we built um, right there. And we devoured uh, everything that we had cooked because we were really hungry. And we left um, the remains and some of the fish, um, you know, bones and skins and things on our plates um, right in the middle of camp. And it was starting to get late. And so we all went into our tents. Me and my wife went into our own tent. And there was a few other tents uh, with our group around us. And uh, there was a total of six of us on this, or five of us on this trip. And we're laying there. We quickly go to sleep. And in the middle of the night, um, as any of you who camp know, it is dead silent when you're out um, in the middle of the mountains. And it's so peaceful. It's so calm. Um, it's really the best place to be in the world, in my opinion, uh, to really feel like you're, uh, you know, close to Mother Nature and to get that relaxing or peaceful feeling. But in the middle of the night, because it was so calm, all of a sudden you could hear footsteps coming towards our tent. And the footsteps seemed to get louder and louder and louder and louder. And soon enough, the footsteps were literally right above my head from where I was laying in the tent. And I had fallen asleep holding my wife's hand um, in the tent. And about the time that the footsteps got 
right above my head is when my wife started squeezing my hand. And these footsteps went around our tent and went to the front of our tent where all of our plates and food remained. And all of a sudden you heard the scraping sound of a tongue licking the tin plates that were left in the middle of the camp. And at that point is when I realized that we might be in some pretty serious danger because this animal that had just came into our camp was now eating the fish remains uh, right at our feet. And uh, so we sat there and about an hour went by that seemed like a month's time and this animal left camp. And none of us slept a wink the rest of the night. And when the sun came up, we all jumped out of our beds and zipped open the tent to pronounce this experience that we'd all witnessed individually in our own tents. And although no one said a word in the middle of the night, we all heard exactly what was happening. And um, we walked around our camp and we saw the size of prints on the ground and realized that this was a bear that was just in the middle of our camp. And we had just lived through, um, you know, a potentially dangerous situation with having a bear literally feet away from us uh, that was clearly hungry enough to eat the remains of our, of our fish. And before we had left camp, or before we had left to go camping, um, we were encouraged several times to bring bear spray or a weapon with us. And all of us were like, no, no, we don't need that. No, no worries, that's just extra weight. And so we'd left all of that stuff back at home. So we literally had nothing to defend ourselves at this camp. And, um, you know, my wife and uh, some of her family members that were there were pretty terrified uh, when we woke up that next morning and they wanted to get the heck out of there. But because we had, you know, hiked in and we were, you know, just starting this adventure um, and really wanted to make the most of it, I had encouraged the group that we should stay one more night. And um, with a lot of kind of counseling and back and forth and debating as the day went on, we fished a little bit more and we hiked a little bit more and we concluded that the area was safe enough to say, stay one more night and that tonight we would be a lot more precautious about uh, cleaning up and making sure that we're not attracting anything to where we're at. And so that night came and we gathered up all of the trash and put it in one big large garbage bag, took it like 300 yards away from camp and with the rope that we had brought with us we tied it up into a tree and uh, we all felt that we were much more safe this night going to sleep. And same thing happened. We all eventually fell asleep. And about the same time in the middle of the night, clear off in the distance, you could hear all of the trash that we had just hung in the tree banging against the side of the tree from an animal uh, trying to get at it. And uh, a few... A little while later, all of a sudden, here comes the footsteps again, right back through our camp. 
And there is nothing more vulnerable. There's no, there's not a worse feeling in my mind than being, than laying on the ground in the most vulnerable position and hearing an animal the size of a bear walk within feet of your head. Like the fear that goes through your mind and the way that your heart pounds is truly like nothing else. And so that next morning we had woken up and we had all had it. And we packed up our camp and got out of there. And I've looked back on that experience several times since that night. And I cannot believe how big of an idiot I must have been to believe that I could stay one more night without anything to protect myself and to be safe with my wife and her family members surrounding us. And when every single thing around us, the brutal facts of reality, were telling us to get the heck out of there and to get back to somewhere safe, I had decided for the group to stay one more night. And that my optimism of the surroundings being a lot better that second night were not actually the case and could have potentially been devastating should that bear come a knock and and been a little bit hungrier than he maybe was. And what's funny is when we packed up and got back to the the, the truck um, at the trailhead, there was a Forest Service ranger there uh, that had told us that this bear had been traversing the area for months and that several campers um, had seen and spotted or heard or had similar experiences as we did. Um, and counseled us about kind of the dangerous situation that we got ourselves into by not cleaning up our camp and and bringing him in uh, with his uh, the sense that we had put out. And unfortunately, that wasn't the last time that I had to learn the valuable lesson of scoping out my surroundings and taking reality for what it's worth and facing the facts. Uh, just as... James Stockdale said, you must never confuse faith that you will prevail in the end, which you can never afford to lose with the discipline to confront the most brutal facts of your current reality, whatever that might be. And so just as I have many times over on this podcast and giving encouragement to be optimistic and to look forward to the future and a brighter day and to work towards your goals, Although that is very important and a vital lesson that I believe um, is one of the key things that I stand on in being optimistic, I also want to give each and every one the encouragement um, to take an extra dose of reality when viewing uh, the life around you. Because I do believe we live in a society that is very optimistic and sometimes can be overly optimistic about their surroundings. And I, just as I told in this story, believe there is true danger in viewing just the positive in life. And so, although this is maybe a different message than previous weeks, just like Green Day, I changed up the tune a little bit this week. And I want to encourage you all to face the facts of reality and uh, to look forward to the future Uh, with a real form uh, of reality. And if you do that, I think you could be just like uh, James Stockdale and be able to make it through whatever challenge you have 
um, and learn the lessons from that challenge to make your, you and the people around you better. Um, but that is truly found uh, in the Stockdale Paradox. So thank you so much for your time, and I hope you have a great day. It's something unpredictable, but in the end it's right. I hope you had the time of your life. It's something unpredictable, but in the end it's right. I hope you had the time of your life.